Superhero Stuff You Should Know is part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hey, this is Ben from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and I have an important announcement for you guys. At the end of every single episode of Superhero Stuff You Should Know, you might hear a shout out to our fans, one of whom is Matt Herring, who was one of the original Superhouse fans. He's always given us his support, and now it's time that we support him. Uh, we've just recently found out that Matt has been diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer. And as a cancer survivor myself, I know personally that there's a lot of emotional and financial strain that comes into that. Uh, his wife, Kelly, has set up a GoFundMe account at gofundme.com slash f slash Matthew hyphen kicks hyphen cancer 039s hyphen butt. Uh, and hopefully you can help reduce the financial strain to that as well as some of the emotional strain that comes with that. Again, that's gofundme.com slash F slash Matthew dash kicks dash cancer 039S dash butt. Matt Herring was the first, I guess you could say, true Superhouse fan. We were Superhouse at that time. You know, the first fan of this podcast and what we do here and um, has always supported us, talked about us, and um, he's from a town close to where I'm from, and uh, so we share that as well, and just a huge superhero fan, and, you know, nerd like the rest of us, and now he's going through that, and uh, if you could donate just at least any amount of money to that link that Ben just said, that would be truly appreciated just hang in there matt you'll beat this thing soon riddle me this riddle me that who's afraid is a big black bat look here it's fat man's one and only partner this little acrobat turned orphan like saturday morning cartoons which is odd considering he's an adult man how can you be an orphan when you're already 45 years old? I don't think Robin is 45 years old. I'm 17, you pieces of shit. I don't know why you guys don't understand that. To be fair, he is kind of tall, though. He's got a mouth on him like a sailor. Ha <laughs> ha, look at him. And that package, too. Are you telling me he's a little kid? Man, this is getting weird. I do get this all the time. I don't know why. It must be these tiny short shorts I have. But anyway, as tight as yours are, I don't see fucking anything. So there's that. Also, Bats, why aren't we already fucking up this guy? Well, you're captured. And, I mean, Edward does bring up a good point. You do seem kind of old to be 17. I mean, I would kind of expect you to be teaching a class instead of actually taking classes. Why does everyone always say this? I am 17 years old. I am running around with my green package and my red shirt, and I'm punching bad guys right now. I'm captured, but fucking somebody free me. God damn it. What the fuck is going on? Look here, Brucey. I'd keep an eye on him. I'm a little worried about him giving Chase a joygasm. (laughs) I'm more worried about him breaking his hip. Oh, you're in on it too, Batman? What the fuck, man? You, I thought you wanted a boy wonder, which I am. That codpiece and those rubber nipples are not appropriate for a boy. That costume is more appropriate for a 45-year-old man. I'm 17 and a half, goddammit. I think Alfred was on to something in making that suit. I think he was trying to tell me we shouldn't have adopted you because you're old enough to adopt children yourself. When the fuck? Are you guys going to stop making fun of me and we're going to actually capture the Riddler?
That's what I want to know. Well, if I do rescue you, Robin, can you make me one promise? That depends on what it is, Bats, but sure, go ahead. Can you join Alfred for bingo night on Fridays? He's always asking me to, but I have to patrol the streets of Gotham. If Alfred would stop making me those fucking lame-ass burgers and milk, that shit's not healthy, man. I can't be having milk farts when I'm going out into the goddamn city every night. Well, the rubber suit really seals it in. I'd rather have prune juice. I mean, what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean that. I mean, us uh, protein powder and shit. I heard prune juice. Edward, I think you heard prune juice, didn't you? I certainly did. He sounded like a big old lehue, sir. Riddle me this. Why are you such a piece of shit, Ed? Actually, that's a good point. Why are you such a piece of shit, Ed? Oh, the tables have turned now. <laughs> I'm a classic narcissist. I just wanted to be like you, Bruce. Don't you see the mole? <laughs> you better do something quick. Fat man, or Robin here's gonna be smoking. That sounds like it's from another universe, but anyway, um, yeah, I agree with him actually this time. Yeah, fucking bats, hurry the fuck up. I'm tied up here. I was going to do a bit of a riddle, but fuck it. Battering. Ah, finally free. <laughs> Let's get him, Robin. Let's leap into action. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> Bummer. Welcome to Superhero Stuff You Should Know. Once again, we are diving into Zack Snyder's Justice League, Snyder vs. Whedon. It is, once again, your co-host, Ben Juan, the man who knows too much about Batman. And as usual, my co-host... Hey, if it's up, then it's up, and then it's most definitely stuck, never down. Tis Andrew, everybody. Thanks, Cardi B. <laughs> <laughs> and he is back from the dead. It is Zack Brown. Back to the land of the living. <laughs> That's right. You resurrected him. Thanks for bringing me back with that mother box and a uh, little electricity. <laughs> uh, I actually wasn't dead. I was just in a coma. Um, it's my Kryptonian physiology. If you'll notice, wow. when I was shirtless, the wound was healed. So I was actually yes. healing <laughs> while I was dead. But I do appreciate the, uh, the resurrection. And I'm wearing all black now. It's going to be my thing. Very good. Very yeah. good. Is there an uh, explanation behind that, or, or just no? Uh, I just felt like it was time for a change, and I, I really <laughs> dig, I dig your look, and I was like, you know, it's time to put away those primary colors of a boy and take on the shadowy darkness of a man. I suppose yes. I should be flattered. <laughs> yes. yes, because becoming an adult always means becoming a lot darker. So that's right. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly right. I had to get one in there for the Superman fans. <laughs> Unfortunately, in order to bring Zach back, uh, uh, Dustin Lee Massey sacrificed himself as well during that. So uh, I, may, I had to make another promise on another grave <laughs> to bring him back to life. I guess that's my thing now. So Dustin will not be joining us, but uh, hopefully we can get this mother box thing working again to bring him back. So anyway, Zach, now that you are back to uh, help us out. Unfortunately, Dustin is not, but since you are back, we left off with Snyder 17, Whedon 1.5, so we did not give any new points to Whedon during the time <laughs> that you were gone. None. Uh, not a one for that guy. Not, not even one or even a point five. But uh, <laughs> we uh, left off on Chapter 2, The Age of Heroes. I wanted to give a few corrections department things before we dive into the rest of this, but uh, I think in our sketch 
for Darkseid and Steppenwolf. My Darkseid said that he had 10,000 worlds to conquer. Actually, in the movie, it's 50,000 more worlds, so which is even worse. So I think my Darkseid is a lot nicer than Ray Porter's <laughs> in the movie. Is Earth first, by the way, or is it like in the middle of the 50,000? Or I think it's 50,000 more worlds. So like more. he had to conquer. I think he had to conquer 100,000 worlds, and Earth is like right in the middle oh. or something like that. Is that I how think it that's works? What it is. I think so, yeah. I might have to do another corrections department now that I just had to say that. All right. But. Sorry. I, <laughs> I was wondering that, though, since a, since a sketch we did or something. <laughs> it just happened to be first or in the middle. But yeah. whatever the case is, we'll, we'll dive more into that when we get to those dark side scenes. But uh, the other one is that I did mention that there was an actress who played an Amazonian who defended Snyder and the fact that their costumes showed off a little bit more skin and more muscle. And that actress was Erin Blevins. So I just wanted to give her name oh, yeah. because I hadn't mentioned her name beforehand because I didn't. I just hadn't looked it up. I just, I just knew of her but i didn't know who she was so now i do so uh that's her name anyway uh we left off on the end of chapter two the age of heroes and i thought we would actually start discussion here before we dive into chapter three because there's been some interesting discourse online about this i wanted to start this off by asking everyone about it there's an article that came out on collider uh that basically said that they felt the history lesson where you know the flashback battle where dark side is defeated by the old gods and the amazons the atlanteans king arthur and all that uh, they felt it sort of diminished Darkseid as a threat and that this was potentially one of the things that Whedon did better and having it be Steppenwolf so that, you know, Steppenwolf being defeated beforehand, it doesn't make him seem, I mean, it might cripple Steppenwolf as a threat in their eyes, but at least with Darkseid, at least Darkseid is still sort of left to be a big, big bat as opposed to uh, Steppenwolf already kind of being a failed henchman seeking to redeem himself anyway. So I wanted to start off by asking, do you feel that Darkseid's defeat in the flashback sequence makes him a lesser villain what do you guys think starting with zach uh i don't think so i i really enjoy getting a chance to see dark side in action and i think one of the things about dark side is that his power also comes from everyone that is under his rule i always think back to that uh episode it was one of the last episodes of superman the animated series where uh, Superman really just slays the smackdown on Darkseid and he does really just defeat him but still these people that he was ruling over come to his aid so he's got all these people that will still support him and you know his his apocalyptic army and everything uh, that I feel like gives him power and you know maybe he doesn't have his omega beam yet either I don't it seemed like he has to get the anti-life equation to master that so i'm not sure but i don't think it diminished his power in any way i mean it took an entire army of beings from earth and you know the green lantern and everything to and you know push dark side back that's just like one creature uh you know whether you're looking i guess you're looking at this uh parademons and his ships and everything but still he's he's that much of a threat that the all the powers and the old gods of that world had to come together to stop him so no i don't think it diminishes his mm -hmm. his threat in any way he just needed granny goodness there <laughs> <laughs> dude your granny goodness is so good man <laughs> she's one of my favorite characters <laughs> maybe she she wasn't granny back then she was young goodness that's right <laughs> just mother goodness maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> Or even younger. <laughs> she uh, was a fine piece of ass goodness. <laughs> Still rocking well, the black lipstick. She was lipstick. that the whole way through, actually. I take it back. Strike it from the record. <laughs> she was that way the whole time through. 
<laughs> 18 years old and pl- plus. <laughs> Let me disclaim this shit enough for the end. <laughs> and especially uh, as a grandma. Yes. Um, <laughs> Andrew, your thoughts on, on the defeat of Darkseid. So, when was he defeated again? In the flashback. Their nightmare sequence, like with the trench coat? No, no, the flashback. To when? Oh, to oh, when oh, they the main Dark one Side. with, like, Zeus and King Arthur and shit? <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. What we've been talking about. <laughs> I didn't know that was the exact scene. Okay. Um, <laughs> I missed the main thread there. Um, so, I don't think it has that at all. But maybe because I'm just a comic book fan and I know a little bit about Darkseid going in, I'm mm-hmm. like... You don't let this. That's not gonna fuck up Darkseid, right? You know, like that's, <laughs> it's just—it's just the comic book knowledge you walk into the movie with, and mm-hmm. uh, no, I—I I don't think so. I, you know, the, the only thing I don't like about that scene is like they bury the the the, the men bury the mother box in what looks like two feet. Yeah, of dirt. <laughs> you know what I mean. This will handle this. Yeah, it was the, the men not handling that as well as the Amazons. Put it that much. Put it that way. Or the Atlanteans. The Atlanteans as well. Men handling it the worst. King Arthur, you fucked up. Um, you look cool. He's a flawed though. character. Snyder gets points yes. for coolest looking King Arthur on screen, probably, but in my opinion, anyway. But at um, least until his adaptation, yeah. Yeah, but dumb handling of the mother box <laughs> whoops if they at least said we're i'm going off the tangent i'm sorry points to snyder again i don't not a big deal from dark side but if they had, yep. if they had like had merlin pop up and be like sealing oh, it shit. yeah sealing it the dirt with magic and then they cover it it would be like oh okay this is cool but it just looks That's like cool. it's like burying two feet of goddamn dirt <laughs> Also, would have loved, now that you mentioned it, I'm just like, oh man, how cool would it have been if uh, Jim and Hansu showed up as the wizard, bro? If he, if they combined <laughs> that shit, <laughs> yes. if it wasn't Merlin, if it was his wizard. <laughs> points again to Snyder. Amazing, that yeah. yeah, amazing. Points to Ben for that one. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I just came up with it. Uh, yeah, to me, I agree with you guys. I think you show how difficult it was to defeat him. It's not like he just shows up and Ares immediately slap, you know, uses the axe on his shoulder. Like it, they needed a lot. They, you know, Wonder Woman only says it two hundred times in that whole flashback about like we needed to all join together in order for this to happen, and that had never been done on any other planet. Like it, it said like it's set up basically that. That is a difficult thing. And also, like, this is many thousands of years ago, and Darkseid's supposed to be much younger back then. It might have helped if Wonder Woman referred to him at, by his original name, which is, I looked this up, Yuxus is the name of it. It's spelled U-X-A-S as his real name. I was going to say Uxus. Or Uxus. <laughs> I was going to say Uxus, too. but I Uxus. Uh, I don't know yeah. if that's it. So uh, <laughs> I looked it up. But we got some uh, dialogue. Maybe if we set that up that his name was uh, Yuxus, because she already says his name is Darkseid, so his name is Dar- he's known as Darkseid already in the flashback battle. But maybe if they had some dialogue about it, but honestly, don't worry, I don't they'll really cover care. that in the New Gods movie. So yeah, <laughs> of course, yes, no, no, <laughs> that, that upcoming New Gods movie. Um, but uh, I think a bigger issue though is I don't think we should judge the like, threat of a certain character by something that happened many centuries ago. Uh, otherwise, we'd be judging every Batman on how badass he is based off the reaction of how he reacted to his parents getting killed. Right. <laughs> you know, like, it's just not the same thing. They're just at a different point uh, in their development. Like, this this dark side, if this dark side had Omega Beams, he would have used that shit on everybody back in the final battle. He didn't have, he didn't even have Steppenwolf with him. He didn't have Granny Goodness with him. 
Dasad looks like he might be descended from those mystics who did the mother boxes, but it was basically just him and a bunch of parademons uh, on that. And, and he also looks like twice as big in the current version of, of Darkseid compared to uh, when he was in the flashback battle. So I feel like this is just kind of a eh, criticism on this. I don't think it, it matters that much because of how I'll just built up that, hey, like he was only defeated this way and there's kind of an impossible way for us to replicate that again is sort of what we're trying to go for dramatically not like oh yeah all we needed was Ares's axe like that well, is no. true like, they'd have way less people the justice league is like six right in this movie so yeah mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I, I could see their i could see the point where you know generally the good guys lose in the first act um but mm -hmm. uh this is not necessarily the case but it is like it kind of sets it up for, you know, he's going to come back even stronger and bigger. Watch the fuck out. You know, he's got a shitload of parademons now. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, I didn't well, actually I mean, notice yeah. that until you mentioned it. Yeah. I mean, it's not like every horror franchise is just like, oh, man, Michael Myers was defeated in the last three movies. He's less of a threat now in movie four. Like, no, he's still killing people with a knife. <laughs> like, it's still right. It, it's still a threat because he just comes back, you know, even more ridiculous as ever. Uh, let's dive into chapter three called Beloved Mother, Beloved Son. So we start off, we ended with Wonder Woman asking the others, where are they? Where's the rest of the Justice League? And so we're answered that by introducing Barry Allen himself. So Barry Allen's introduction from Zack Snyder is a very, it's a long sequence, but it's actually uh, very cool in terms of how many things are set up. We have the idea that Barry is always late, which is a, which is a common thread among the, uh, the Flash comics. Uh, we also have him meeting Iris West for the first time. Uh, we have a demonstration of his speed where he saves her from the car crash. We have the fact that he's out there looking for a job as he's applying for a job at a, at a doggy daycare. And of course, we have his heroism on display in the fact that he saves Iris's life. Uh, also set up is the fact that Iris already knows right now that Barry has super speed because she sees his face before he speeds off. So that's kind of cool. Uh, Warner Brothers decided to completely get rid of this entire sequence, and Joss Whedon, instead of just saying, like, eh, it's taking up too much time, let's just introduce his speed through the scene where Bruce recruits him. Uh, instead, they decide to shoot a whole other scene in the prison, where Barry's introduced signing, into, signing in to see his dad, only for a tough guy behind him to complain, and he uses his super speed to write, uh, to doodle on the guy's face as a joke. And uh, that's what replaced this very uh, nice and uh, artistic speed force scene that we got from uh, Snyder. So, Snyder versus Whedon, where do you stand on this, starting with Zach? Hmm, an act of heroism replaced with an act of douchebaggery. I don't know. <laughs> I, just, I just remember, like, I, you telling me that scene right now with the drawing on his head? I don't even remember yeah. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I really... No. no. I remember that one. <laughs> I um I really liked the scene with Iris. I thought that was cool. I did laugh at him taking the hot dog, and then I thought it was even funnier that it was for the dogs. I thought like yes. he just grabbed it for himself <laughs> to eat later. I, I was like, food. oh, yeah. I was like, that's kind of funny that he thought about that. Like, oh look, I'm so good with the dogs, and I've got like the hot mm -hmm. dog snack and stuff. So yeah, that was just having him introduced with, you know, doing something heroic was already pretty cool. Yeah, I enjoyed mm -hmm. it. I thought it was a a great addition. Um, sad that it was cut in the first place. Yep. Andrew? Okay, so to play devil's advocate for just a half second here, for a flash second, um, hmm? I can see for a second why Whedon cut it, because it really has nothing to do with the plot. I agree. It yeah. has fucking absolutely nothing to do with the plot. 
However, the way it was executed, the editing, the emotion that you get from it, mm -hmm. uh, it's, you know, you ask yourself, I was asking myself, is everything, does every little scene have to be exactly related to plot every single second of this movie? You know, this this is art, and it's about being moved from images on screen, and 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 it does that. I think mainly with music and editing, and I mean, of course, performances and stuff and his direction. But uh, I think a lot of that was probably found in the edit. Maybe I don't know, but um, mm -hmm. or how they storyboarded it, and that's what they always wanted. But uh, you know, yeah, it's not super plot. You don't really. It's not necessary, really. But I like that it was in there. I was sad it was cut. Um, it's also like he, Snyder doesn't take himself too seriously, even though he's like really like being serious for a second, showing that mm -hmm. they're like kind of love at first sight, really. And then he turns and gets the hot dog, <laughs> and it's just like, oh, okay, we're back to comedy now. But I thought it was going to be because of his appetite, and he was yeah, going to be eating, too. and then he just gives it to the dogs, which was maybe one percent awkward. The dog part of it, like I don't know, it's nice that he was giving it to the dogs, but. I think it deflated it too much or something from the heaviness that I was feeling from the other part. That's a really nitpicky thing. At the Does end? not ruin it. Yeah, at the, at the end of okay. it. Okay. Does not ruin it for me. I'm glad it was in there. Point to Snyder. Agreed. I, I agree. Neither version is that essential to the story, whether it's the, him saving Iris or him doodling on the guy's face. However, judging from the individual scenes themselves, there's so much more to Barry's character in this. Like, I'm just like, in an ideal situation... Uh, you know, if this wasn't in the Justice League movie, this would be the opening scene to his solo movie where he meets Iris this way. And then maybe they say, like, this happened before Justice League. And then, you know, a few months later, and then he meets Iris again, and they continue that for Flash's solo movie. Uh, but we learn, again, like, so much more details about him, his humor, all that, that we just don't get with the, the face doodling, which also, here's the funny <laughs> thing. I'm just like, if you're right, if... The whole thing, the whole point of this is to cut this movie down from four hours to two hours. Why would you reshoot a whole scene for just a lame joke to introduce Barry when, like, to me, if you're like, hey, you really got to cut scenes, I'm just like, okay, well, I think that the scene where Bruce throws the battering at Barry and he slows down time and catches it is a fine enough introduction to his super speed for a condensed version of this movie. Right. You don't have to shoot this other thing of him doodling on the guy's face. Uh, the only possible other possible reason they did this is because the scene in the Joss Whedon cut does feature Mark McClure, who played Jimmy Olsen in the Christopher Reeve Superman scenes. We mentioned this earlier, where he, in the original Snyder cut, he's the cop guarding Superman's statue. In the Joss Whedon cut, he's the prison guard who, when he sees Barry, he alerts Bruce Wayne on his phone to Barry's location because apparently he's got... Bruce has an inn over at that uh, at that prison. I guess they were trying to explain how Bruce would find Barry, but that's not really something I would consider to be a plot hole anyway because we're talking about Bruce, the world's greatest detective, and Alfred, who's like former SAS, <laughs> who are able to track down this one kid who probably isn't really covering his tracks that well uh, on it. So... I don't think that we really needed that little subplot anyway, just to have that one little bit and for a lame joke that I don't think anybody was really laughing at. So anyway, <laughs> point to Snyder. Snyder, 18, Whedon, 1.5. Let's let's talk about this before we move on, just real quick. There's yeah. a little break from canon to here with Flash because he's already got his powers, but he hasn't started work at the police department yet either. 
So that's true. There's yeah, a, I pointed that out. There's before, a, yeah. Oh, you have already. I for, I'm sorry. I well, in 2017. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I guess they'll explain in the Flash movie if it if it's still somewhat connected to Snyderverse. Who knows what's going on with that at the time of this yeah. recording? But, but uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that's a big deal either. I just think it's an interesting change. I think it's interesting, and I wonder if it's deliberate. Could you know, be. I wonder if they they deliberately were trying to change the origin because maybe because in the first Barry Allen Flash origin he was in the police lab and then the lightning struck him and the chemicals in the police lab and the combination of that created the Flash. But right. I would say maybe there's a deliberate choice there in terms of taking it out of the police lab. Maybe he is struck by lightning, but that lightning was a special lightning. Could have been a speed force lightning. And if you know the comics, you kind of know what that bolt of lightning actually came from. So. Uh, we'll dive into that when we do our Flash episode uh, oh, for yeah. that, but a little preview on that. Uh, so that was Snyder versus Whedon, Snyder 18, Whedon 1.5. Uh, the next part, uh, we're going to go over some parts that are kind of very small differences or stuff that is exclusive to Snyder. So I'm going to call that open floor, where just like if you have something to chime in about it, you can chime in, but we're not going to do a formal, like, what do you think, Zach, Andrew, mm-hmm. is going to be, okay. because like there's not really a lot to talk about. Uh, chime in randomly, so, you said. Chime in random. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're giving him an open invitation. <laughs> <laughs> chime in randomly, Zach. So, <laughs> after... All right. <clears throat> I'm okay, so after The Flash saves Iris, we go into the scene where Steppenwolf is interrogating Atlanteans, which is a very dark and horrific scene where he uses... An, there's a spider-like device that was not in the Whedon cut at all that he uses that many are saying oh, yes, yes. is likely the Snyder version of Starro. Yeah, because that, yeah. it has that shape, it attaches to the guy's face, it has this weird telepathic power, and Starro has telepathic power. So uh, that does have an interesting connection to the Justice League. I, I wouldn't uh, put it past Snyder to put a Starro Easter egg in that, in that form in here. Uh, it also makes Steppenwolf so much more threatening. In that, that he has that, you know, the guy's like, I will never betray my people. And Steppenwolf's like, you already have. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> this, he's so much better in this. It's not even funny. Yeah. Um, and then we get a brief scene of Lois and Mourning and looking through pictures before we have a, another scene of Diana and Bruce looking over, like, who the team is going to be, the fact that Aquaman turned them down. But the main focus of the next part for Snyder versus Whedon is on Victor Stone, is on Cyborg. So let's talk about uh, the contrast and Cyborg's introduction between the two movies. We already know who's going to win on this one, but I might as well go into it. Whedon, right? Uh, <laughs> Cyborg in the Whedon cut. <laughs> is he even in it? Is he yeah. even in it? <laughs> uh, Snyder's version is an extended flashback scene. With, uh, we see Victor as a football player uh, and losing his mom in a car accident. We see his dad vowing to save him. We see the full extent of Cyborg's powers. We actually see Cyborg fly. We see him basically inside the internet and use his powers to help a struggling waitress get money so that she can survive for her and her for herself and her kids. Uh, there's a subtle moment too where he walks away and a couple like stares at him and like run away. So people still fear him. And it ends with Cyborg protecting the mother box from parademons who are like still hunting for it. Whedon replaces all of this. He has one little scene with Dr. Stone and Cyborg just to set everything up where Dr. Stone wants to use the mother box for more studies and Victor doesn't want him to. And uh, just to demonstrate his abilities, he levitates in front of his dad. And that's the only thing that we really see in terms of his power in uh, the Whedon cut. So uh, I know what... I know who's going to win this one, but 
Over to you, Zach. Snyder versus Whedon. Obviously, it's Whedon. I mean, just a <laughs> masterfully crafted scene. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm. What can I say? Yeah, it was just uh, such a a vast difference and an improvement. And like I said in the first episode, and I remember the scenes of him playing football being in a trailer and yep. watching the movie and thinking, like, where was that at? And never showed him before his accident, I don't think. They only showed pictures of him. They used Snyder's footage just to have still photos of it yeah. in the Whedon cut, which is stupid. Yeah, that is dumb. I don't, even, I don't even remember that. So, yeah, it was really great to see him before and to get to see his mother and the accident that, you know, led to him becoming Cyborg. And, again, to see his, uh, his act of heroism um, helping out the waitress. And that... The whole, um, it was very abstract. It was almost surreal, like him, mm -hmm. uh, you know, going inside of his mind. And he looked, I think he looked normal at that point, but he, he saw like the bank and everything and he could see all the uh, people's bank accounts and all that stuff. It was, that was really cool to me. Uh, of course, that wasn't in the Whedon Cup, but I, I liked seeing that because it was interesting, you know, kind of seeing it from his, in his, uh, interior point of view i guess that whole like mm. abstract idea of the bank and and his perception of technology uh you know from within his i guess his mind and the computer's mind so yeah that was kind of cool nice i agree andrew can't even make a joke about it it's just Snyder, <laughs> man. i mean it's just so much obviously so much better who who would like the weed and one more i don't know uh and also the narration in the scene too, where he's like in VR internet world, yeah, uh, it was like you will have powers, and it's almost like Man of Steel kind of, but for Cyborg, like mm -hmm. you will be able to do this, and you will have this, and it's like really sets up Cyborg, like oh damn, I guess this guy is a Justice League member, kind of, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, I mean, and the ATM scene is one of my favorite scenes in the movie too. Same. Um, mm -hmm. So just already doing heroic shit. He's he's doing heroic shit. At his most broken, in a sense, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. even when he's, you know, really in the dumps of his life, he's still helping people in a big way. Uh, so I think that's why that scene works so well. And uh, yeah, I mean, what else? What else can I say? It's so it's so good. Yeah, we didn't seen lacks any kind of emotion in comparison <laughs> to this. Like it's it's one of the best parts because it makes us care. It makes us care about like you care so much more about this one waitress who's in two scenes than you ever did for anybody in the Joss Whedon cut. Yeah. Uh, this, that waitress is played by C. Amanda Maud, who uh, is a Chinese-American actress who lives in London, who went on Twitter when the Snyder Cut was released and said, like, hey, like, I was cut from the Whedon cut. I'm not, I don't have access to HBO Max here because she's in the UK. Like, can you tell me if I'm in the movie? And she just got flooded with tweets and followers being like, oh, my God. And you were part of, like, one of the best parts uh, and all <laughs> that. Awesome. And then she finally she mm -hmm. finally got to see the movie. And her response was hashtag restore the Snyderverse. Yeah. <laughs> so um, also another shout out to Karen Bryson, who plays uh, Victor Stone's mom, Eleanor, who is in, like, three scenes and just knocks it out of the park. Like, yeah, you immediately... True. That scene where he makes the touchdown and he looks in the stands and she's, like, crying as she's cheering him on. You feel that connection between mother and son, which is impressive considering how little screen time she has. That's true. So, immediately feeling the connection between, like, if I felt that the previous movies sort of 
lacked that type of emotional connection this movie has it just all over the place in spades especially with uh, cyborg uh and then back when we reviewed the joss whedon cut we were just like joe morton is wasted in this role of silas stone he's just given nothing to do and then i see this version and then you get to that hospital scene where he just like starts weeping over victor and telling him he won't let him die and i was like this is why Joe Morton is hired. This Dude, he's is the perfect Joe pick. I mean, not to typecast <laughs> yeah. him, but god damn. The guy in T2, come on. Yeah. Miles we, Bennett we, it's not like he can't act. He's a great. He's obviously a great actor. It's not just because of the typecast. Like, yeah. You know. So. No, he's he's a fantastic actor. And yeah. I'm just like, this is this is why you have Joe Morton as Silas Stone. This is, a, this is great. So uh, it also, I wanted to point out another difference is that in the Whedon cut, it just seems like Cyborg's just moping about the fact that his dad resurrected him. <laughs> By giving him, uh, you know, turning him into cyborg, you know, you made me a monster. Whereas in this one, it makes more sense because he blames his dad not just for uh, the cyborg thing, but mainly because he feels that if his dad was there, his mom wouldn't have died. Now it makes right. so much more sense. Right, 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 right. As opposed to just like, how dare you save my life, yeah. dad? I'm like, okay. Right. <laughs> so it really makes, you know, Snyder was not kidding. When he said Cyborg is the heart of the story, he absolutely is the heart of the story. Ray Fisher yeah. knocks it out of the park. Uh, I'm happy for him, probably most of all for out of any of the Justice League main actors, because of the fact that this is really a fantastic showcase of what he could do compared to what was in the Whedon cut, where it was just a forgettable, uh, just a forgettable role. Right. To no fault of his own. So we got Snyder 19, <laughs> Whedon 1.5, <laughs> still at 1.5. Uh, so right. you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Not really, Mr. Whedon, but okay. <laughs> All right, next part is open floor because it's a very small difference. Uh, it's Barry talking to his dad, Henry Allen, played by Billy Crudup, who was recently replaced by Ron Livingston in the new Flash movie. Uh, main difference here is that Whedon cut some lines from the Snyder Cut. Snyder Cut had uh, the exposition of the fact that his dad is in prison for murdering his mom, and Barry doesn't believe that. That exposition is here in that scene, as opposed to the Whedon cut, which cuts that and instead had that had Alfred tell Bruce on the plane. Uh, small difference here. I feel like, okay, maybe it does make more sense to have Alfred tell Bruce and us learn that, as opposed to two characters who already know each other how or already know the information. But there's, to me, it weirdly felt like there was more emotion to this scene, in this version of it, even though there's very little change between the two of them. So maybe that just has to do with the fact that we already we already have a carryover emotion between father and son with Cyborg into the scene. Maybe it has something to do with the fact we know Barry a little better or a little more as opposed to him dueling on somebody's face in the Whedon cut. <laughs> but uh, the differences are really too small to debate on it. I feel like this is just an automatic point. Like, come on, we already know this. Yeah. Go to Snyder yep. on this one. So 20, uh, Whedon 1.5. Right. I, I honestly forgot that Billy uh, Crudup was in the Whedon cut. I remember watching the Snyder cut, and I was like, oh, that's cool. He was Dr. Manhattan. Totally forgot yeah. he was even in the other movie. So <laughs> I thought that was, I thought he was cut from the from the Whedon version. So, yeah, I, I was excited oh, to see him. <laughs> yeah, he, was, yeah. he was in the other version, just less, right? Yeah. There, he, uh, slightly less. I mean, there were still only two scenes with, with Barry visiting the prison, but they were slightly different. Uh, but we saw in, in both versions, Henry Allen tells him, like, hey, make your own future. You're right. living in the past, and you're, like, one of the best of the best kids. And that pays off in the Snyder Cut, which we had no idea about until, you know, 2021 mm-hmm. right. in the dialogue where the Flash goes back in time. More on that when we cover that. But, uh, yeah, I would say that it just feels a lot more emotional when we get to that scene in the prison. 
and I felt that it was a tough sell after seeing just because some of the best moments of the CW Flash show were between Grant Gustin and John Wesley Shipp as his dad and yeah. maybe it doesn't quite reach those highs but considering the fact that this is your first time meeting these versions of the characters it works well enough for what it is but I'd say a bigger difference is in the next scene where Bruce Wayne recruits Barry Allen. So here's Snyder versus Whedon. In, the, uh, in both versions, Bruce recruits Barry by throwing a battering at him, and it slows down, and we get to see uh, Barry catch it in his super speed. <laughs> we then see uh, Bruce drive off at the end, and in the Snyder cut, it's a little bit extended where he drives onto the freeway, and he drives past a billboard that advertises a phone number for suicide prevention. This was digitally oh, really? added. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was digitally added for this uh, for this cut because that's, this part of the scene actually leaked years ago in 2017. I remember seeing uh, that maybe it was for a commercial or something, but this part leaked and there was no billboard back in 2017. So I think they deliberately added it for the HBO Max version of this. For sure. Yeah. So that's cool. Uh, Whedon's version has pop music in the background, whereas Snyder's version has Junkie XL's score uh, during the time. And uh, the Snyder Cut uh, does not have a part that Whedon added, which I think is one of the biggest sins of uh, this, which is he adds in the whole monologue. He let's, let's put this in perspective. He decided, hey, we have to cut down all this stuff, but in terms of new stuff to add, we're going to have Ezra Miller show up again. Forget the fact that his hair is not going to match continuity-wise. And do a whole rant about how he hates brunch. What is yeah. it? I he forgot about brunch. that. <laughs> but he eats all the time, though. Yeah, but he doesn't under he says he doesn't understand brunch because everybody's lining up to have lunch and that he doesn't understand people and that type of stuff and that's that was re- that was shot and added in and also to pay off a joke later on because in the uh, in the mid credit scene where he races Superman Superman's like you know you say that I win you get to treat us to brunch and then that was the it was basically a, a lame joke so anyway Whedon's basically this Whedon's version is basically the same but with this added monologue just smack in the middle it's so obvious that it's different reshoots. Ezra Miller's hair is all different. The background looks like it's been green screened in. It's just ridiculous. So, anyway, <laughs> Snyder versus Whedon. I think we know where this is going to go. Zach. Snyder. It's just, <laughs> I remember thinking, I was like, okay, we're coming up on this scene because this is one of the scenes that I found really cringeworthy in the Whedon cut. And I was like, the is that, yeah, that, that whole scene, even like with him talking mm. to Bruce, I even thought, like, this is. The, the comedy just did not land for me the first time I saw the movie. I was like, okay, let's see how it is. And I think even just the change in music made a difference I to me. I was like, oh, yeah. it's like, it's, it's totally fine now. It doesn't bother me. And like, even, you know, I, I still didn't think like Bruce Wayne saying that his superpowers being rich was like hilarious, but I still didn't like cringe at it. Like I think I did the first time I watched this movie. So to me, it just made everything more palatable and uh it worked better for me so even those subtle changes and i remember that brunch thing too and i thought it was it was stupid it made me not like the flash i was just like oh it's just like it's it's trying to force humor into it zach's like what's wrong with brunch (laughs) you love brunch (laughs) i don't know i just he, he just was awkward and not in like a funny way it's like they were going out of their way to make him uh, yeah. you know, a comedic relief, but also, all right, he's going to be socially awkward, and we're just going to really push that. It just was, it wasn't wasn't uh, gelling for me. Yeah, Andrew didn't gel for me either. 
didn't like it. I forgot about the brunch thing entirely. No, <laughs> I, 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 God, yeah, that was not good. Um, not necessary. Uh, I didn't notice the um, the the soundtrack change, but yeah, I I could see Junkie XL being better. Well, who was the pop singer or whatever? Do you know? I don't know. Offhand? It was like some. It might have been some. It almost sounded like it was some foreign pop music okay. or something. I didn't recognize their language, but I remember it's like blaring in the background in the okay. in the Whedon cut for a bit. Okay. And they got Rick and Morty on the background in both cuts, I believe, as well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is pretty cool. But, um, yeah, of course, it's Snyder again. Um, it, I mean, I think in, in both cuts, he's like, I'm in. Like, that's fun, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, injecting the humor in there in a really organic way. Uh, and, you know, like, in these, like, you know, recruitment montages or whatever with these, like, team action movies. Yeah. Um, a lot of times, you know, they're hard to recruit. And they all are in this movie, except for him. And I like that contrast. I like that he's just, mm -hmm. just like I'm in. Don't even worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he's such a fanboy. Yeah, yeah. You need me to push people fast. I'm your man. You know what I mean? So yeah, um, that uh, that worked for me. Ezra Miller's pretty, pretty good Flash overall. I think. I mean, I haven't heard many people complain about him. I, you know, I like him adding his. his I'm jumping ahead, but I like the the yoga thing he does. I like mm -hmm. that he talks about being a good Jewish boy. Like yeah. All these like little <laughs> stamps he puts on the character, I think, are are cool. They weren't that kind of thing. Probably wasn't there before, but I don't know. Everybody gets everybody that plays a character gets to put their stamp on it, you know. So yeah, I think yeah. that's cool. Uh, and um, I mean, Flash grabbing a battering. What's wrong? Yeah, with I mean, that? he's a fanboy. That's cool. Yeah, he's yeah. yeah, he's a fan of the other superheroes, and so I I, I like that aspect. He's a fan of Batman, obviously, because he already knows based off the battering alone right. what it is, and he wants right. to keep it. And then later on, he talks about how like Superman was his hero and how he wishes he was there, like that type of stuff. It's uh, it really it really cements like, hey, he's he's kind of one of us in a way. Right. Um. Yeah. So honestly, I think like the brunch stuff, I was like, thank God it, it's, it's over. So I, I was definitely expecting that was going to be gone. But what I also think was interesting, and this is based off of what Zach had said, is that the movie, the version in this movie doesn't feel as much like, Hey, we're trying to make things funny and jokey. Like the Whedon cut very much feels like, Hey, like this is a Joss Whedon, you know, trying to do another Avengers type of thing. We're going to try to, force in as many jokes as we can and this one just kind of feels like barry is making these jokes because he's nervous because he doesn't know who this guy is mm -hmm. right 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 that type of thing and so it feels more of a character thing as opposed to just like haha we're funny now marvel's known <laughs> for humor but we can do it too uh, this one this one kind of this one feels like well no this is just that character of it it's organic uh, yeah it feels more organic yeah. so uh we're going to go into the break, but before we go into the break, we are at Snyder 21, Whedon 1.5. So, catch you after the break. We're the Spirit Hunters, and we're a show that treats Hunter Hunter and Yu Hakusho's author as the center of the universe. Some weeks, we do linguistic analysis. So, the Chinese meaning of this character is to smelt or refine, but so the changed meaning in Japanese, it means to temper. Other times, we get absolutely smashed. So we take one shot every time. Yusuke uses the ray gun. One hour later. This is the least coherent episode. Oh, I'm Sarah, you're... I think your apartment is you can find out more about the Spirit Hunters right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. I said a dark side. His name is a dark side. Say it with me. A dark side. Yes, he's coming. The Lord is coming. The Dark Lord is coming. His name is a dark side. I'm bringing the souls to you. 
I'm bringing your souls to him. Say it with me now, everybody. I said a dark side. A dark side. Oh, I'm going to go to the dark side. I'm going to go to the dark side. I'm going to go to the Lord have mercy, look who is here now, here today. Lord Darkseid, here. Yeah. Glorious Godfrey, we need to talk. Oh, Darkseid, yes. I've been here preaching to the masses the glorious name that is yours. I'm flattered by that, Godfrey, but it seems a little much. What would be a little too much about this form? This is the language that they speak, Master. When I sent you here for Earth, Godfrey, I did not expect you to be, I don't know, on television so much. I was hoping you would just get me souls. Instead, you've been on TV for the past 48 hours. It seems a little, it's a little aggressive. Well, I've been having fun in the in the colonies. And it, I just find it so bombastic and fun, my lord. Well, by your count, how many souls have you collected for Apocalypse? Oh, at this rate, probably 400,000, my liege. Perhaps even more. They love this character on, on TV and the Zoom and the TikTok and whatnot. I'm my, I've got my entire social media shit working really well, my lord. Well, that's very impressive. I heard TikTok is very popular these days. Yes, it is, indeed. Very impressive numbers, Godfrey. Perhaps this will actually work. I was not expecting so many people to fall for something so obvious. You would be surprised, my lord. There's a phrase here on this planet, when in Rome, do as the Romans. And I am merely doing as such. I'm sure you understand. In all of your excellence. Well then, there's not much I can complain about. It seems like obvious brainwashing to me, but to them, if they're eating it up, then continue doing what you're doing. Give me the souls for Apocalypse. I mean, at this rate, my lord, you wouldn't even need the anti-life equation. I wouldn't? We've already bent them to our will as much as possible already, I believe. But, I don't know, maybe a little extra zhuzh with the anti-life equation will send them over even further. I've spent my whole life trying to find the anti-life equation. If without the anti-life equation, I don't know what to do with my life. I leave that to you and your excellence to figure out. It would cut down on a lot of work just to have them as they are right now, just bending to my will without need for the equation. Seems like it'd be a lot easier. Indeed, my lord. Hmm. Perhaps I should just make some appearances like now, every now and then. So that they keep believing. P my, my lord, I know this is strange, but it's weird. The less you show up, the more they require belief. I, l I do enjoy being in your presence. Do not take us this the wrong way. This seems too good to be true, Godfrey. You're saying that I need to not do anything just for them to believe in me? I, I mean, maybe people draw pictures about you, but that's really about it. Well, then I'll just go back to Apocalypse and sit. Rule by Zoom or something. I'll call up Desaad to set up my Zoom account. My lord, you have rang. Desaad, set up my Zoom account. It is time that I work remotely from Apocalypse. This is excellent news, my master, but I am not a fucking IT department. Decide you speak that way to me again, and you will be at the other end of the Omega Beams. Set me up the Zoom account and give me one of those virtual backgrounds. Preferably the ones with the cute kitties. Anime kitties, my lord! Sure, that's your thing. Well, I guess I should get back to these Cretans. Thank you very much, Godfrey. Yes, it is always a pleasure, dark side. I always want to be on your good side. <laughs> Wait, if you have one, that is, my lord. I'm confused on that one, but anyway, I will return to my own devices. Keep doing what you're doing. I, 
terrified this was a lot easier than I thought. Praise the dark side. <laughs> All right, everybody, if you like that sketch right there, we have that plus news, plus we're bringing back some opinion pieces and uh, review type stuff and all kinds of stuff in our $5 tier on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com slash superhero stuff pod. And if you become part of the $5 tier, you can see these new bonus episodes. Basically, consider it Superhouse DLC. Hey, this is Cole Vallis, Tommy Elliott, and Hush from the Fox TV show Gotham, and you're listening to Superhouse. Everything you need to know, Batman. And we're back from the break, and we are we left off at Snyder 21, Whedon 1.5. Will Whedon get even so much as 0.25 <laughs> of a point? We will find out. But anyway, <laughs> uh, the next scene is with uh, Diana and Alfred in the Wayne Hangar. So in both versions of the scene, Alfred and Diana are talking, and then Cyborg contacts Diana in order to meet up. There's some vast differences, however. In the Snyder version, we have a whole scene of Alfred and Diana bonding over, not necessarily bonding, but Alfred correcting her on making tea. And I think this is way funnier than anything in the Flash scene with Bruce and Barry. Uh, and then there's an introduction that Alfred's working on Batman's new gauntlets, which are somewhat inspired by Wonder Woman and the fact that they can uh, deflect a lot of the uh, energy blasts. Uh, so that's cool. Diana obviously takes notice of the fact that it's been inspired by her, and then she gets contacted by Cyborg to meet up. Uh, Whedon reshoots all of this. He cuts the T. He cuts, he cuts the gauntlets thing entirely, which is dumb because that was sweet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cyborg, <laughs> Cyborg in this version brings up that he knows who both Batman and Wonder Woman are because he was spying on them at, at the lake at Wayne Manor, and Diana indicates that she knows that Cyborg was spying on her. Uh, earlier and uh, Alfred in both versions says the line looks like you have a date Miss Prince but we didn't add in some ADR where he says looks like you have a date Miss Prince about time somebody here did in reference to Bruce uh, so continually making it seem like Jeremy Irons as Alfred is always trying to hook a brother up for Bruce Wayne <laughs> so uh, those are the main differences I between the grandchildren scenes. <laughs> 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 yes should do a sketch on that. Yeah. Uh, anyways, <laughs> thoughts on especially the new stuff from the, that we weren't expecting to see in the Snyder Cut, uh, starting with Zach. Yeah, I love the tea thing. I thought that was great. It was very Alfred. And you get to yeah. see some interaction with him and Diana, which I think is great. Again, there's not a lot that I remember from the Whedon Cut, and I'm sure that that was very unmemorable. Um, so, yeah, I thought... Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was... Uh, the additions were great. So, uh, and some, like you said, some more organic humor rather than something that's forced. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah, I agree. The, the, the tea him fussing over tea is one of the funniest parts of the movie for me. And one of the most don't scold the tea. Yeah. (laughs) You know, um, I, that's great. You know, I could definitely see those two talking about that. It's probably happened in the comic. It must have. At some point. It has, but in general, how often do you get to see Alfred and Wonder Woman? I, chat that's it, the thing. You know? That's why it's so good. <laughs> uh, and then the got her like you know getting her little hidden about the gauntlets. Like she says, "Oh, you can have a lasso too. Don't worry, it can be black." But, you know, <laughs> yeah. Like, yes. Great lines. Um, yeah. Don't know why it's cut because you would think Whedon would, uh, you know, he's the light guy. He's the guy that wants the humor. Why yeah. we get these two things cut? Like I could see. Judge, not that I under, not that I agree with it, but I can see him cutting the other darker shit or whatever because he's 
he's just mm-hmm. not as dark as Snyder's style is. So, but for him to cut this kind of thing, I just I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. It could just be his justification may have been time because you know you've got added time with that. But then it's just like you had to. If you don't have the gauntlets thing, then you have to cut that. So I don't know. It's it's weird. You know, it's it's stuff that like I was not struck by how cool it was to see Wonder Woman and Alfred interacting right. in the Whedon cut. I was, however, struck by that in this version where I'm just like, oh, this is awesome. I had no, I it's like it didn't occur to me in the Whedon cut because it was so unmemorable. It was literally just Alfred right. serving her tea mm-hmm. right. in like one scene, and that was it. Does it say what kind? Is it Earl Grey or? Do it doesn't remember? say. They don't say. I would say. I mean, we can assume it's Earl Grey based off of our Batman lifestyle episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mo- one of the most common ones in England, right? Uh, that and, yeah. um, Darjeeling, I believe. Uh, let us know in the comments. Yes, yes. Uh, I wanted to bring up one thing for continuity here. First off, obviously, I agree with you guys on, on the superiority of the Snyder version of this. But if you notice, uh, Victor in this version, Diane is looking over the video footage. And when Victor was created to be Cyborg, he's, like, lying. He's not even lying. He's, like, propped up on top of that, uh, I don't know, that, not necessarily, it's not a table. It, it's, like, a, it's, like, a board, really. Uh, he's propped up there when the mother box comes on and he turns into Cyborg. In the Whedon cut, this was completely reshot. This was completely reshot where Victor has more of a body. He has more of a torso. Uh. He only has, like, a metal arm. And he has black pants. Now... Why is this? It could be that the Batman vs. Superman version was seen as more gruesome. However, according to Ray Fisher, there was something a lot more fucked up going on behind why they reshot this. Oh, man. He said, he said, Jeff Johns and other execs were, quote, forcing a scene to be reshot so they could highlight the existence of Cyborg's penis. <laughs> is that is said, that really true? That's, that's what he said, huh? That is what he... He, said, uh, he has another quote here saying, quote, among many other things I had to spend in inordinate... In, inordinate... Inordinate? Inordinate. Inordinate. Inordinate amount of time explaining to Jeff why he was not the authority on how the existence of Cyborg's genitals would be perceived by the black community. He strongly disagreed. Now, if you look at Doom Patrol, which is executive produced by Jeff Johns, where Cyborg is played by Joyvin Wade, uh, Wade, there is a scene where Cyborg is talking to women who at one point uh, keep pestering him, quote, show me your metal parts. And then uh, the character does have sex in the second season which almost proves that he does have at least something working down there. So I don't really know where this obsession with whether or not Cyborg can get laid is a thing of Jeff Johns, but apparently it is, and according to Ray Fisher. Because, like, if you're going to do reshoots, why would you reshoot stuff that you can obviously just reuse? You already have that footage from Batman vs. Superman. They deliberately reshot this, and according to Ray Fisher, this is the reason. Any thoughts? Or are you guys what just the... by this? That is so <laughs> weird. I'm still now. I'm thinking about how does he have sex? But I guess if he's if he can just form like these robot arms out of his back, then I guess the the suit can form other things. But you know, I di- yeah, <laughs> I didn't even realize that that was. Uh, I didn't realize that was reshot. Like I said, I don't remember that part either. All I remember thinking was, yeah, how gruesome it was to see him, and he was mm-hmm. like barely like a torso under the rib cage that's like how is he even alive right now i know this is you know a superhero movie but yeah that it made it seem like he absolutely needed this to survive and go on rather than being like like you said like missing an arm like you know it's that's yeah that is very interesting so i'm i'm not surprised if it is true about uh 
uh, why Jeff Johns wanted that scene reshot. It is just so weird and unnecessary for the character. Yeah. Andrew, any thoughts on this, or are you still reeling from this? It is quite a thing to hear <laughs> about. Uh, the one thing is, like, they are old, rich, white guys, both of them, but it's just, like, they're not that old. I mean, they are really rich. Like, how can you... Why have this whole... Make this thing... I don't know. Like, why make this a thing, <laughs> for, first of all? And, like, you're. I just feel like they're, they should be young enough, in Hollywood enough, to know mm-hmm. what you know what is good and what is bad as far as this kind of thing is concerned mm-hmm. and yeah just way too much focus on a cyborg's genitalia you know what i mean like i think there's just it's it's uh, but you know like did jeff johns explicitly and 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 what's his name and whedon say something to ray fisher out loud like oh yeah we want to add your dick in this like how does <laughs> like I agree with Ray Fisher. I understand, but like mm-hmm. how what's how did how does Ray Fisher come up, come a, around this information? You know what I'm saying? He, he said, quote, explaining to Jeff why he was not the authority on how the existence of cyborgs genitals would be perceived by the black community. He strongly disagreed. So I'm assuming they had this that conversation. This, I'm assuming this was an actual conversation, not just Ray Fisher making jumping to conclusion conclusions based off of reshooting the scene because it just seems like oh when you first see it right it just seems like oh they reshot it just so that'd be more family friendly but Ray Fisher's adding that there's another layer to this uh, on this that I've, is just kind of mind blowing so <laughs> you know like it's I just it's just this is hard to process this is <laughs> it's just it, yeah I don't know you you just think that like. These these Hollywood types, they have these, they should have these meetings, these like, sensitivity meetings, whatever it is, um, you know, um, just to to go over this kind of thing if they don't know. But I, I, you know, I don't know. I just find it, I find it real, really strange. Like they they had they scheduled like probably what not a million for that day, but well, it might have been over a million with the VFX thrown in just for them to have Cyborg to have a dick to appease the black community because Jeff Johns and Je- uh, Joss Whedon know a lot about the black community. Is that what they're saying? They know more than Ray Fisher? Is according, that- according to Ray Fisher, I mean, I, I still think, e- even if they didn't do that, I think it's still inane for producers yeah. to be like, hey, uh, we got to cut down this movie. We're also going to reshoot stuff entirely and spend money on stuff like that as opposed to like any scene that might condense stuff like... As much as the Whedon version of Cyborg's introduction with him and Silas Stone, as much as that is like pales in comparison emotionally, I kind of get why they did it because they needed to condense information. Obviously, this, one, the- this doesn't condense information. <laughs> Sorry, this yeah. doesn't condense information yeah. at all. You literally could have just used pre-shot footage shot multiple times for Batman versus Superman and for Zack Snyder's Justice yeah. League, and you could have just used that. Instead, you spend all this money just for this one scene. Ridiculous. Jeff Johnson and Whedon are seem to literally think that the black community is going to view a guy getting his dick blown off differently than everybody else. (laughs) (laughs) That's, I feel like that's going to be one common thread throughout all cultures is the guy getting his dick blown off is going to be be like about the same reaction. (laughs) You know what I mean? Some things are different. Correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, if you're a person of color, especially, but I kind of feel like, 
I don't know. What do you guys think? I feel like it's going to be perceived basically the same way. I don't know why they give this special it's attention the, the to yeah. this thing. It, it feels like the wrong concern. It's the, I agree. Yes, exactly. In it's a, the wrong concern. In a word, in two words, yes. Wrong concern, yes. <laughs> Succinctly put, Benatavius. <laughs> All right. So, Snyder 22, Whedon 1.5. We talked about Cyborg's dick way more than I was expecting. I, I was saving this information and I deliberately did not put this in the uh, why releasing the Snyder Cut was true justice episode okay, because I, okay. I knew this was relevant for this specific scene as opposed okay. to the other one which is more about his general experience okay uh, <laughs> so Diana goes to meet Victor and here's what's weird that I noticed in watching the Whedon version and the Snyder version back to back Gal Gadot does not reshoot her scene where she meets Ray, uh, Victor Stone however Ray Fisher shoots his scene his side of the scene completely different into a different scene. So Gal Gadot is originally uh, doing lines of Ray Fisher in the Snyder version, and then Whedon reshoots Ray Fisher's entire half so that Gal Gadot is reacting and talking to his version, even though that's not what she was on set doing. So uh, the differences in the two cyborgs. In Snyder's version, Cyborg is pretty much in his main form. He's not wearing a hoodie. He flies in and he carries the mother box with him. He's angrier here. This is where he says the line, fuck the world, and how he doesn't need anyone, and Diana tries to get through to him. In the Whedon version, Cyborg is a lot more mellow. He walks in. He doesn't fly in. He doesn't have the mother box with him. He's wearing a hoodie, which is probably because they didn't want to spend the money on all the extra stuff, so this just saves a lot of the money by just having him with the, the mask thing. Uh, and he's, here he's willing to help her with the mother boxes, and that's it. And she tries to recruit him, and he says no, and he flies off, and they seem a little friendlier. So it seems like the scene was deliberately redone just to make Cyborg a little less angry. That's what I seem to have gotten when comparing the two. They feel about the same in terms of the purpose for the story, but emotional impact just as on Snyder's side, given what we've seen before. So anyway, your guys' thoughts on this, Zach? Yeah, I mean, obviously it has more emotional impact. And he is a character, I think, that has the biggest arc throughout the whole movie. So I think it's... Mm -hmm important to have that dynamic between how easy it was to recruit Flash with Bruce and even with Diana, who we would feel like is better at recruiting people, uh, even from Alfred's mm -hmm. criticism of Bruce's techniques and his lifestyle choices. So yeah, I, I thought it was fine. And of course it takes away all of that impact in the Whedon cut when it's just mm -hmm. so blah. Yeah, there's not, not a whole lot to it. Andrew? I mean, obviously Snyder, but it's... So this is where we're, they try to take out the angry black man, basically. Yeah. Yep. This is... Uh, basically. Again... Because, they, again, they reshot all of this as opposed to just cutting down the scene. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It, it's... We talked about this maybe on the Patreon or something, right? Like... or uh, We talked about in why you're releasing the Snyder Cut was True Justice. Oh, we episode. talked about it in that one. Yeah, that's right. Um... It's just kind of the same thing. It's just like, why why are they making these changes? Why are they, like, this non-woke in their position? If you're a fucking mm -hmm. Hollywood producer in Hollywood system, in L.A., in California, you know, for years and years and years, you really should be on your, you know, up and up on these issues. Uh, and I, it's just, I find it wild that they're, you know, seemingly this this bad uh so um yeah the, the the changes are pretty much ridiculous um i think yeah i think 
the only line I kind of like from the Whedon version is uh, when Diana calls them gifts in terms of his powers, and he's just like, if these are gifts, why am I paying for them? Which is like, I think Whedon trying to capture the emotion of the other stuff, but in just one line. I'm just like, okay, that was kind of a cool line, but it's not enough. I'm not going to give him the point for that. But it's it definitely shows a big difference and shows, again, just how inane these reshoots were, where just like, you already had the scene. The scene was there. Maybe if you wanted to get the PG-13 and you felt like the, the fuck was too much, then you just cut the line where he says, fuck the world, you know, like have that or ADR something else and have the shot on Gal, Gal's face if you don't have, uh, if it doesn't sync up, like you don't have to go through. They literally reshot entire half of a scene just so that Cyborg would continue to be less interesting. They added in his the dick version. in there too, though. <laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, points for that, obviously. <laughs> you can't see it, but it's there. <laughs> as long as people know that it is, then Cyborg's good. The black community is going to love this, so. He just needs a dick and booyah, and then we're good for this version of Cyborg. <laughs> Fuck any other character aspects. Emotion. What is that? Character development. What? Oh, shit, man. Uh, so, yeah, obviously, Snyder 23, we didn't. 1.5 is just so much oh, like man. again any anything cyborg just automatically should go to snyder on this uh next few instances we're gonna do talk you think about that our... um <laughs> do you think that he felt like he was in get out when he had to say the booyah line probably <laughs> yeah <laughs> probably not a good day man he's under contract he's got to say it but it's just like oh dude He's, that's why he's got the most like unenthusiastic booyah yeah. ever booyah. In the movie. it is very i remember that he's just like booyah yeah it's a terrible booyah it, it's he does not <laughs> want to say it man uh right, the next few instances are small changes so open floor throw out any thoughts or reactions uh because they're very small scenes we got victor hiding the mother box in his own grave which is pretty dark but pretty cool uh then we have the star labs two scene feet that deep sets up yeah, two feet deep. Again. <laughs> <laughs> hey, to be fair, they didn't find it. That's true. Uh, mm -hmm. In this version. Uh, let's see. Star Labs, we see Ryan Choi set up the electron laser. This is where he says one of the best lines in the movie, where he's like, you're looking at the hottest thing on Earth. Exact words I said to my prom date. <laughs> she dumped me in. Anyway. <laughs> so automatically yeah. that makes us love Ryan Choi. Yeah, yeah. Um, Silas Stone goes home and gets abducted, which is pretty much the same in both versions. However, in the Snyder Cut, he comes home to find uh, that the tape has been broken, uh, which we saw earlier. This is obviously cut in the Whedon Cut because there was no tape. Uh, and then it's clear, I think, in this in both versions, he sees that Victor's ransacked the place and, and taken the mother box. However, in the Snyder version, we know that he's gone to do it because he went to see Diana and then buried the mother box. In the Whedon Cut, we never really see where Victor hides it and so when he comes back and he's like, oh, Victor, and he sees all the stuff on the floor, it just seems like Victor threw a temper, temper tantrum before he went to see Diana. It just makes him look really immature Childish, like a yeah. baby. Yeah, so at that point, I'll give Snyder an automatic point, I think. I don't think we need to discuss further on that. So that's Snyder 24, Whedon 1.5. Uh, and then we get Jim Gordon being introduced. Now, this is cool. Right. Uh, Jim Gordon is in both versions of the Snyder Cut and the Whedon Cut. However, the Snyder Cut is longer. Uh, the cop he's talking to is addressed by name as Crispus, mm -hmm. as in Crispus Allen from the GCPD, who is who's supposed to be in the Whedon cut, but I don't think he's ever addressed as Crispus in that version. Uh, Whedon adds a bit. It, it could be that Whedon added this bit, or Snyder had it shot and then didn't include it in his cut. But Crispus Allen says something about like the world's gone crazy. Maybe he did too when it comes to Batman being suspected of all the parademon crimes of kidnapping people. 
Uh, also, what's weird is that the drawing of the parademons looks different in both cuts. They both look like they were drawn by a child. <laughs> Again, I don't know why. Not a they... police sketch artist. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no Zachary Gordon's... Jackson Brown, I'll tell you that one. Right now. <laughs> a highly detailed version of concept art put up there. <laughs> We've had some budget cuts, says Gordon, <laughs> our sketch artist. Cut to your boomerangs on uh, Instagram. Sketch yeah. it out. <laughs> so. Uh, I think more Gordon is always a good thing, especially since J.K. Simmons is good casting. He just wasn't really given much to do in any of these versions. He's given more to do in the Snyder Cut, but just barely any screen time. He did. Remember so. remember this uh, brought up some some controversy during the filming. He was like, I'm I'm working out a lot. Oh, this is for BVS? I can't remember. I mean, he like, wasn't in BVS, oh, but it was okay. around it was the time. Justice League, yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So he was just like, you're, you're Gordon, right? You're working out a lot? <laughs> All right, I guess everybody works. Everybody works Snyder. out in Snyder's movies. You can't see it through the trench coat and the, the button-up shirt. He's ripped. I mean, whatever, dude. I did, whatever. I did all this workout for nothing. Uh, but no, I mean, he was. It sounded like he was doing that for himself rather than for specifically the Zack Snyder movie. It just right, happened right, right. that the the timing worked out. I would give Snyder another point just to give Gordon. You know, there was more of Gordon in this. There's a part where he gets his messages and he throws them in the trash and he talks about how his mom was right about how he should have not have been a cop, that type of stuff. Uh, so he kind of got, the, the, given the fact that there's barely any, there's like one scene uh, between him and Affleck in this, two scenes in the Whedon cut between uh, Simmons and, and Affleck, but you kind of already feel some of the history there. I just wish that there was more. So, you know, if they released the Batfleck version, if they did the Batfleck movie, that maybe we could get to see that someday. But anyway. The one with Deathstroke? Uh, yeah, right. Deathstroke. yeah. Let's see. We got an additional scene enemy. where Silas Stone is taken uh, by the Parademons over to where the other people are kept. So that's pretty much... Uh, that's new. But uh, you can see, okay, maybe they just cut that for time for the Whedon version. Right. Uh, and then we do have Barry meeting Diana when Bruce arrives at the airport with his car and Barry and Barry meets Diana in both versions. Uh, you know, she's like, hi, Barry, I'm Diana. I mean, yeah, I'm Diana. And then he repeats the same back to her, and he's like, that's not right. <laughs> so uh, that's cool. However, yeah. uh, there's one big difference, and I noted this uh, in here, is that uh, in the Whedon version, when Bruce and Barry are descending down, we get a, a big wide screen, like basically wide-angle shot, where uh, it's Wonder Woman's backside with her ass in tight leather pants. Snyder deliberately has the same shot uh, zoomed in on Bruce Wayne when he comes down. There is no shot of Diana's ass in this. So I think Snyder knew that that shot was probably done for the studio or it was reshot by Whedon. I think that was probably done. Maybe it could have been by the request of the studio or something because uh, otherwise Whedon would have had to done the setup just for that. <laughs> but it is interesting to note that uh, there's a big difference there in the two shots. So... Uh, point goes to Snyder on that one. I don't think we have to debate about that. 26 to, to Whedon's 1.5. Anyway, we have a final Snyder versus Whedon thing, which is Steppenwolf taking the mother box from Atlantis. This will be our final Snyder versus Whedon thing before uh, we end the episode. Uh, people have, keep saying online that Amber Heard suddenly has a British accent in the Snyder cut. However, she did have a kind of a British accent in the Whedon cut because she didn't. She wasn't part of the Whedon reshoots. They used the same footage. Now, when I rewatched it, I think her accent is a little bit more uh, is stronger in the Snyder version. It's a little more blatant. 
but it's still there in the Whedon version. So I think it's a little weird that people are just like, she suddenly has a British accent. But I'm like, I get that you probably forgot that because you forgot that she was even in the Whedon version to begin with because it was that forgettable. Uh, but that's that was an interesting thing that has come up where people have brought that brought up those differences when I don't think it's really that different. Like Snyder had shot with her with the British accent and James Wan decided that she would uh, sound American with her own voice, probably for the best. But uh, Snyder's version also, you know, he has a very different take on Atlantis. Vocal looked different, as we noted in uh, part two. But Snyder's version makes it clear that the Atlanteans kind of speak like dolphins underwater <laughs> with the trilling uh, and everything. <laughs> and uh, they create the bubbles in order to speak in English. This was obviously retconned by James Wan. Uh, the fight here with Steppenwolf is brutal. At one point, Steppenwolf uh, grabs Mira by the throat, and so it seems like she's trying to do some sort of bloodbending thing. If you guys have seen Avatar: The Last Airbender, yeah, and it seems like she does yeah, that too. Yeah, I kind of got that this. too, but it doesn't. She doesn't like fully pull it off, right? Yeah, yeah. because he like throws her away, uh, and then right when Steppenwolf's about to kill her with the axe, Aquaman comes in and saves her life, uh, which was kind of a cool way for them to meet. Uh, we didn't, of course, cut a lot of this stuff so he cuts Mera talking to the Atlantean soldier cuts the moment where she bloodbends on Steppenwolf cuts the part where Arthur saves Arthur saves Mera Steppenwolf is less brutal the Whedon cut even uses there's that shot earlier in the Snyder cut where Aquaman swims up to the body of the statue of the Atlantean king Whedon does the same shot he uses the same shot but replaces the the uh, Atlantean king with like one of the bodies of the guards to show that hey this is how Arthur discovers everything uh, and then the biggest thing I think that's added is that at the end when Mara says like, hey, you know, it's your turn to help get the mother box back because this would have been your mom's job. Uh, in the Whedon cut, Aquaman says, then I'm going to need something from you, which implies that he gets his armor and trident from her since he's been rejecting that the whole movie. So anyway, Snyder versus Whedon on this Atlantis sequence. Any thoughts on this, Zach? It was so much better. I feel like in the Whedon cut, it it almost seemed like he won or he got the mother box very easily and actually seeing him, seeing them put up a little bit more of a fight and Mira using like her abilities to suck the water out of him was really, really cool. I was like, Oh, that's kind of cool. I didn't know she could do that. And him like, didn't he cut that one guy in half? One of the Atlanteans, I swear. Like it was, it was very brutal. So um, again, that just shows how much more of a threat, Steppenwolf is, and I thought that that was uh, that was really cool. So no, I don't miss anything from the from the Whedon cut in that respect. Yeah, mm-hmm. Andrew. Yeah, you say it looked like he got it more easily in the Whedon cut, right? Yeah, it was a you know again the action sequence in this is a lot more tense and and better because that's definitely when Snyder shines, especially uh, is with action. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I mean definitely Snyder uh, again. Um. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it was good. I just keep thinking about him uh, skewering him in a later in the later scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you mean dark side skewering him? No, no. Or you mean Aquaman? Oh, you Aquaman. Mean him Aquaman skewering Steppenwolf. Yes, Sorry. exactly. Yeah. So that, that yeah. was uh, obviously a little bit le- later. I guess he might have tried that in that scene. I can't remember exactly, but uh, he didn't. He couldn't pull it off. Obviously, at that. He found it easier out of water than in water. I guess. Right. 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 Um, but yeah, Steppenwolf just feels more badass and more of like a presence, you know, like he's definitely like mm-hmm. fucking shit up. 
just in general, I think, more than... He's a lot more of a threat here. Yeah, yeah, a lot more of a threat. And a lot more sympathetic. Well, a little more sympathetic. At the same time, yeah. Like, he's weirdly both sympathetic and more threatening at the same time in this, as opposed to not being that sympathetic or threatening at all in the Whedon cut. Dude, I forgot about his look. I saw pictures of his look in, um, in the Whedon cut. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that's also so bad, looking back. <laughs> like, Whedon's Seven Wolf is... I mean, uh, Snyder's Seven Wolf is so much better. Yeah. Yeah, he just looks like a, generic mess. he looks like one of one of Davy Jones's uh, crew in Pirates <laughs> of the Caribbean two. Yeah. It's something about yeah. him. He looks just so so much like a little background character, you know. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> <Potato> face. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's no yeah. Desaad, oh. but he's cool though. Desaad, I like Desaad. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> I think yeah, this is obviously an improvement. I mean, this is at this point we're a broken record. Obviously, Snyder twenty-seven, Whedon one point five. You have to get used to that in this series, man. If you want to hear yeah. us say shit against more against Snyder, see the one Snyder versus the critics <laughs> yeah. in the past. Um, so you can see, you know, we're probably a lot, you know, in general throughout the entire podcast more yeah. even-handed than we are mm-hmm. in this particular series. Uh, we saw an article, I mean, I saw an article on comic book resources saying it was a plot hole in how Arthur got the armor, and Whedon filled that in, but I feel like this is so nitpicky, because, sure, Whedon has the line where he's like, I'm going to need something from you, which explains that he gets the armor and the trident from Mera. However, when Aquaman sees Volko in the Snyder Cut, Volko has the trident and the armor. You can just assume that Aquaman, after talking to Mera, just went to Volko and got that stuff. Like, you don't really need a lot to explain that. If Batman randomly shows up with Atlantean armor and a trident, then yes, you should, <laughs> you should explain that. But considering that's not what happened, it's pretty obvious how he got vocal on that. So I don't Thanks, agree with Arthur. that at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all of you now. He's got the lasso, the trident. In Justice League <laughs> War, the they're like, hey, Batman, what are you good at? And then he's he's like, hey, what what the fuck? Green Lantern asked that because Batman's oh, yeah, already stolen yeah. the ring. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was great, actually. Yes. Uh, all right. Final stuff is that Snyder and Whedon both have a scene of Cyborg finding the aftermath of his dad's kidnapping. And this is what's kind of amazing, is that Whedon reshoots this specifically to have Cyborg in a hoodie. Is that really it? That's really it. That's the only difference between the two. I don't know if it was CG added, but I'm just like, why did you need to add the hoodie into that? Or even either reshoot it or pay the money to do CG? Because it's just like, okay, he wore the hoodie. You know, if you're going to do the Whedon cut where he wears the hoodie where he sees Diana... You can always say he went back home when he took the hoodie off. You don't need to exp- you, you don't need the hoodie there for continuity. But they <laughs> deliberately have him still wear the hoodie when he finds his dad's glasses and he looks out the window and sees the bat signal. It's stupid. Oh so. man, dude, oh, go ahead, Zach. Sorry. No, I just think you know, kind of like your theory that it was just in an effort to make things lamer, or I don't mm-hmm. know, just make even make Cyborg less cool. Maybe it's not like yeah. they didn't save. It's not like that saved them money if the scene already existed, and the you know the effects work was already done. So, especially if they had to add a hoodie to it. Like, right. If that hoodie is CG in the reshoots, that is better CG than what they did to Cavill's mustache in that movie. <laughs> like props to those people if if they did that. Uh, but it's it's ridiculous that they even reshot that part. Uh, and then the part three ends with Steppenwolf feeding the second mother box, allowing him to create that bubble around the uh, radioactive town and talking to Desaad, who tells him to torture the humans and find out what they know so he can find the third mother box. And so 
that is the end of part three. Beloved mother, beloved son, Snyder Woo. 27, mm. Whedon 1.5. Any closing thoughts before we wrap things up? Nope. Still good. <laughs> Still like the Snyder version best. Uh, no changes. Yeah, basically the same. Um, way better. And mm -hmm. um, I guess that's it for now. Yeah, I don't know. Yep. All right. I agree. That is superhero stuff you should know. comments on here one of them is from Dustin Gibbons who has a corrections department for us on the what's the best Justice League origin Dustin said uh, quote pre-crisis the Justice League had a satellite though uh, the watchtower in the comics was actually on the moon and not a satellite in the comics so that's a good correction thank you Dustin on that what I was looking for was when the formerly named watchtower existed which was in the 90s but yes the Justice League did have a satellite pre-crisis that was just kind of called the Justice League satellite I think uh, and wasn't formally called the watchtower so the DCAU is kind of combining them where the Watchtower is the name of the satellite from the pre-crisis comic. I always so. thought that the wa when I first heard the Watchtower, I thought it connected to Watchmen and who watches <laughs> the Watchmen, like who watches the Justice League, the, the most powerful people. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. I know that they were separate before Rebirth and all that, but it's still mm -hmm. both DC and... Has watch in the name. I don't know. I just, I was just, I was trying to connect everything in my head. Yes. Uh, okay. So thank you, Dustin, for that. Uh, next is from TJL, who commented on why releasing the Snyder Cut was true justice. TJL said, "Quote: Great job between Ben's informative commentary and Andrew's welcoming voice slash demeanor." Hey, Andrew, you got a, you got a fan here. Uh, <laughs> this is a great upload. Great job. Uh, Best thank comment. you, TJ. Best comment so far. <laughs> no offense to the other comments. <laughs> There's some bias there, but yes, one of the best ones. I don't see any bias. It just seems like seems like truth to seems me. Very fair and objective yeah, very truth. Fair and balanced. <laughs> uh, I do want to get to this comment from Ricky Saint Quentin. Uh, I've talked about this before with you, Andrew, from the uh, why releasing oh, yeah. the Snyder Cut was true justice comment. Uh, Ricky says, quote, I disagree about the Snyder Cut getting released. I've seen and received the most appalling online bullying and harassment from Snyder fans. Now, I should point out that not all Snyder fans engage in bullying and harassment, but it's the ones who do who give the Snyder DC films a bad name. It's because of the online bullying and harassment towards fans who aren't a fan of the Snyder DC films and harassment towards WB and their employees that have made WB not want any more DC films from Snyder. The appalling tweets Ann Sarnoff received last week prove that. It's frustrating because I'm a fan of Jeff Johns, and I've been bullied and harassed over that as well. I'm glad the good Snyder fans enjoyed the Snyder Cut, but at the end of the day, the cut being released has rewarded bullying and harassment. This is the reason why I cannot and will not ever watch the Snyder Cut. Okay, so uh, first off, Rick, I'm very sorry about your experiences with that. Obviously, we condone any form of online bullying or harassment, uh, no matter which side you're on uh, when it comes to this, uh, especially given the fact that uh, a lot of what you said here in terms of like the people who do engage in bullying and harassment giving Snyder and the DC films a bad name. I absolutely agree with you. That's also partially why I, we didn't really associate ourselves with a lot of that uh, in the beginning. It wasn't really until we uh, got deep into the movie and started appreciating parts of them that we started seeing, okay, we can be both critical and enjoy Snyder at the same time. I think there's too much of a black and white approach where people see, as you've experienced, uh, that if you are vocal about you know not liking his movies that people will attack you. Uh, I think there's different levels. Like if you're somebody who has a toxic criticism 
of Snyder, just like the people who were talking about how they think Snyder's responsible for the death of his daughter, then sure, I can see people jumping on you. But if you just don't like the movie, like, you should not be attacked for that. And I and I agree uh, with that. So, from my standpoint, uh, you know, I'm sorry that that happened to you. I think anybody who was involved with that should apologize for that. I know that's not going to change anything. But I also would say that uh, when it comes to you know, our stance on why we feel like it was true justice for it. We aren't speaking for the toxic fans, but more so for Zack Snyder and his family, uh, for Ray Fisher, for everybody who was involved in the original release, for C. Amanda Maud, who played the waitress, for all the people who worked hard on the original cut of the movie who ended up getting cut or marginalized or abused themselves, because there's a whole cycle of abuse involved with this movie. So, uh, again... Sorry that you had to go through that. Hopefully uh, we have other episodes that you're enjoying or will enjoy. And if not, then whatever. But thanks for leaving a comment. Andrew, do you have anything else on that? I mean, you pretty much said it. I, I'm, I'm a little bit less aware of the uh, toxic Snyder stuff online than, than I think you are, Ben. I feel, like, I feel like you're monitoring that on Twitter maybe a bit more than I'm I monitoring have. through the back computer the, yeah the back, I mean this you're monitoring the, the movements, <laughs> their movements online yes uh, I, I was aware that they review bombed Godzilla versus Kong or whatever yeah which is dumb which is yeah. like dude okay um I mean I don't think anybody was personally hurt from that but just like why are you doing that dude um I, I, I guess I'm aware there's them a bad name yeah, yeah. right, right? I, I'm, I'm aware there's toxic fans out there I just didn't know it was to this extent um I'm sorry you had that experience um, for me, I'm just glad this movie got out there, especially after Snyder going through, through what he did personally and for Ray Frischer and everybody else, but mainly those two guys, um, as we've come to know um, through the behind the scenes, uh, through the knowledge of what happened on, ha- happened behind the scenes. And uh, I just, I don't know. I mean, I, I'd like to think this doesn't embolden anybody to bully people more. Um, I, I just want to see it does, it's, comic book it's movie, for... you know? Yeah, if it does, I mean, I personally think it's a very small section of a group of people who yeah. originally would have banded together for uh, what they felt was justice for Zack Snyder and his family and Ray Fisher uh, and all that. But there's always going to be some subsection that goes too far with that, who think that because of the fact that they feel that they're emboldened by, like, hey, it's a good cause because of suicide prevention and, and what happened to Zack Snyder, that they, that they go too much on the offense. Do, do that type of stuff. Not saying that that's that's an excuse. It's inexcusable that they would turn to that. Uh, I'm just saying that I understand uh, where that comes from, but I don't uh, agree with it. So I, I, we did have a tweet earlier this week saying we support Restore the Snyderverse and continuing Snyder's plans for DC movies, but we do not support spamming the hashtag on unrelated posts because some people were putting that on yeah. Stop Asian Hate posts yeah. from Warner Media. Obviously, stop doing that shit. Uh, wanting to cancel unrelated DC films, spamming or review bombing Godzilla vs. Kong or James Gunn's The Suicide Squad. Again, stop doing that. We don't support that. And attacking anyone with different opinions on Snyder's films. Again, like, we have not been, uh, you know, we haven't loved every single Snyder decision, as you guys have seen in the Batman vs. Superman and, and Man of Steel <laughs> Snyder vs. Critic stuff. We try to keep very level-headed on this. And uh, I don't support attacking anybody who likes Snyder movies, and I don't support attacking anyone who dislikes Snyder movies. I don't see why it have to, has to even resort to that at all. But unfortunately, it does. Yeah, it's surprising just how toxic some of that stuff gets because it's it's just like it's you know it's it's just comic movies at the end of the day you know it's mm-hmm. uh it's kind of a, a side effect of us having you know such a such a first world country in a sense it's like we're, <laughs> right. 
people get social media platforms. Yeah. <laughs> you think people in Syria are fucking doing this shit? Or wherever the fuck? Yeah. Sorry if yeah. that was a bad example. Um, but uh, someplace, we just third lost world or war torn or or whatever, uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah. But uh, thanks again for your comment, Ricky. Uh, and that is it in terms of the fan comments. Over to you, Andrew, with the shout-outs. Oh, man. All right, Patreon supporters, let's get to it. Shasta, Leom O, Super Inframan, Douglas P, Dandy, Aaron Willett, Nick Noah, Askers Webb, Jeffrey R, Eric J, Scott V, and now our other supporters as well, which are Sparkageddon, SDCT Productions, Robert Schumann, Kooky Noms, Matt Herring, Elijah B, Shamrock Balls, ENH, Walter the Wobot, and John Wells. Did I miss anybody? <laughs> I think that's just pretty much it. The list is uh, growing. Thank you everybody <laughs> for that. All right. Um, so uh, also, uh, please, if you're not if you're not joined already, like these uh, other people uh, are, um, please uh, join us at the Shasta Army, the one dollar tier at Patreon.com/slash/SuperheroStuffPod. That gets you the uh, shout-out, and then the $5 tier gets you the whole other show. Um, we just did, well, Ben just regaled us with one on the Will Bill Justice League script. Uh, the unmade. Unmade one. And um, that has uh, been shown to have some interest online, so if you're interested in that, please check that out. Um, the next one, uh, is it going to be out by the time this episode's out? Yeah, I think it will be. Yeah, it will be, the, yeah. The Apocalypse Deep Dive, uh, so... Check out for Dark Side. Yeah, be on the lookout for that one, and uh, Superhouse merch, everybody. So uh, Superhousepod.com, Superhousepod.redbubble.com, Tpublic.com/user/Superhousepodcast5000, and Threadless SuperheroStuffPod.threadless.com. Get your Ben Med Ben Man mug. Get your Indeed Wizard uh, shirt or whatever. Uh, and we also have the uh, show logo as well on some stuff as well. Uh, mugs, shirts, tote bags, uh, all kinds of shit on there. So uh, check that out. And then uh, please leave us a review on iTunes. That will increase our visibility on iTunes. Yes, iTunes is still the most important thing in podcasting. It still beats Spotify, um, if you can believe it or not. Um, we see we see that in our um, analytics every time <laughs> to this day. Um, so uh, anyway, uh, also... Uh, Please uh, rec- uh, record us a little audio bumper. That's a little audio clip. And uh, that can be anything, you know, all the silly stuff that we record on for our, st- you know, for our sketches or the little one sentence uh, blips that I put on there sometimes and or whatever. Um, record that on your phone and then send that to superhousepodcast at gmail.com. And uh, you too can be on the show that way. Also, new uh, shout out, new call to action, if you will. Um, for our sketches, if you guys out there want to take that uh, from uh, <laughs> from you know download it from Spotify or from YouTube or whatever, and make a video out of it, make an animation out of it using our voices, um, we would love you to do that. Just keep the show's name and hashtag in the video itself. That would be best. That way, no matter where it's uh, shared, it's going to always be in the video. So it's somewhere in the bottom or in the corner or whatever if you do make it that would be helpful um and also hashtag in the actual description as well but actually even more mm-hmm. important than that is in the video itself in the video yeah. uh so uh if you uh you know got the gumption to do that uh feel free um 
And then also, I'd like to personally know uh, what kind of sketches would you like us to continue? Uh, or, you know, what kind of like, like we did the pedo and Magneto one several times. <laughs> um, is there like a sequel to a sketch you want? Or what combinations of characters you want? Or something like that. Let us know. I'm Thunderwolf Drew on Instagram and Twitter. I'm Thunderwolf Lives on YouTube. Also, ThunderwolfLives.com. Search for me there for all of my Japan, Japanese game and anime and all that kind of and also religion and culture and stuff language stuff like that on those uh pages so uh that's it ben uh you can also follow us on twitter at superhouse pod you can follow us on instagram at superhero stuff pod where we met zach uh my personal instagram is at ben Juan writer and you can follow my cat Alfie Pennyworth Cat, also on Instagram. <laughs> the link is also in my biography. Uh, you can follow my website at benwanwriter.com that has my uh, script for Gotham, uh, Gotham spec on there. And an additional thing, uh, but uh, putting this out there, but I have a comic book, kind of independent comic book, kind of coming out soon for kids. Uh, my friend created the characters. Uh, it's called Earl E. Bird. Oh, shit. Uh, you can go find the website at earl-e-bird.com. I did not do the art. It's done for kids. So, you know, if you're a fan of this podcast, you have kids who uh, are too young to listen to this podcast, but you <laughs> like my stuff. Uh, this is completely kid-friendly. No language. Uh, <laughs> no bad language. No uh, graphic violence or anything like that. All for kids. Uh, I do interrupt every third page, though. Yes, Andrew this, does yeah. show up in every panel. Yeah. So that'll be true to the uh, superhero, house, superhero <laughs> stuff you should know experience uh, in there. But keep an eye for that because uh, the comic book will hopefully be released sometime this year. But the, the website and the store has already been set up by uh, my friend who's uh, who owns the characters and is in charge of it. So anyways. It was uh, uh, called Toe Jam and Earl? Toe Jam and Earl? No, it's called, <laughs> it's called a, Earl that, E-Bird. That's an old Earl, Sega game. Earl-E-Bird.com. Anyway, over to Zach. Where can we find you? You can find me as usual on the YouTubes, on the TikToks, on the Instagrams, all the same name, Zachary Jackson Brown Art. And you can go on ZacharyJacksonBrownArt.com. And I actually have some of these Smilex oh, brand t-shirts yes. oh, nice. that is a great for sale shirt, on there. So uh, Marketing, everybody. That's right. If you're interested, I do have just about every size available still. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, you can just check out my art and uh, go art yourself, like I said earlier. <laughs> go art <laughs> yourself. <laughs> back to Ben. Well, the market. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, when we come back, we're going to get ambitious at trying to tackle both part four and five in one episode. Let's see if we can do it. We might need to use some of Barry Allen's time-bending skills in order to pull it off, but I think we can pull it off, and we will catch you next time. Thank you very much. Signing off. Signing off.